Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart Roberts. Uh, Hear Me, See Me podcast. And today I've got a wonderful, a wonderful guy I met recently called Paul Jones. Hello, sir. Hello, hello, Stuart, and hello to Hear Me, See Me podcast. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to be here. I'm like beaming. <laughs> it's, well, it's all quite fresh with us because people, it, it won't tie up like this, but um, we, we met because you asked me to come on your IGTV series, um, PJP, uh, and um, well, so we only just recently done that. I believe it's recording this today is, is the day that it's out. And yeah. um, it was I think great. your words were, Stu, um, if I show you mine, will you show me yours? <laughs> I think that was, that that was my words. That was, and I, I freely showed you mine, so now it's your turn to show me yours, isn't it? <laughs> well, I've been done. Um, <laughs> let's go straight into it, my friend. Paul, uh, take me back to the young Paul, the young, the, the young man... Running around the playground. What um, what made you go into hairdressing? Well, it, it was an accident, really. I kind of left school, and I was I was a rebel. So I left school with one one GCSE in pottery. And um... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, that's useful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really is useful, actually. I mean, that scene from Ghost, I think, inspired me. You know the. <laughs> so yeah I, I left school with one GCSE in pottery and <laughs> and um I didn't really know what to do and my parents were at an absolute loss with me and my dad gave me two pound every day to go to the job center um because he said he wasn't giving me any money no. which was actually at the time I felt like I was so hard done to but it was the best thing he ever could have done and every day I was going to the job centre and I managed to get a job in the biggest department store in the town where I'm from. And I remember going home and saying to my parents that I'd got this job in an office in this department store. And they were like, what? You, you know, with your one GCSE in pottery has managed to get a job in the biggest department store in Wolverhampton. And I was like, um, yes. <laughs> and, um, and I was working in the office as the post boy. And my job was to take the post around to all the departments. And a 20-minute job would take me two hours. And my boss in the, um, in the 
in my office, my boss would, would say to me, like, why is this taking you so long? So she came with me. And every time I'd go into the office, the ladies would be like, sit down, have a biscuit, we'll make you a cup of tea. And she's like, Paul, you are not here to talk to people. So I wasn't, after that day, I wasn't allowed to talk. So I just had to sit in the office and work. And then I met my a dear friend who's still a dear friend in a pub and I was moaning about the job and the fact that I couldn't talk. And um, she said, why don't you be a Saturday lad in the salon? And I did two Saturdays and I remember seeing the ladies come in feeling like looking drab and, and they would leave. And I can still picture the, the lady. She had big red hair and she left so glamorous and, and happy. And I remember the basins were adjacent to the door so straight at the back of the door and I remember shampooing watching this glamorous lady leave and thinking I want to do that like I want to be able to you know make women look amazing and make them happy and that and that was how I started and you know um I was 16 so it was 1996 and I went home and told my parents that I was leaving this job in a prestigious you know department store to go and be you know, work in a salon and they were horrified and they threatened to throw me out the house. And, you know, they said, men don't do hair, you know, <laughs> you know, you need to get a job in a factory. And, and of yeah. course, being the rebel that I am, I dug my heels in and, you know, and 24 years later, I'm still hairdressing. <laughs> yeah. I had the same thing. Cause my, but you imagine you take it back because you was 96. Actually, my son was born in 96. <laughs> and I started in 78. Now, my dad was a sh- he, he was he horrified that I was going to be a ladies hairdresser. You know, he was just horrified. And he, he, he you know, he spent the first three years calling me a barber because it sounded better to him. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think my parents, I remember one time turning up home with blue hair and my dad actually turned around to me and said, how are the people down the working man's club supposed to see you with blue hair? You know, I had one day to get rid of this blue hair where he was going to kick me out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had a few creations. You do, don't you? When you first oh, yeah. start, in the, you, have to, you go through the spectrum. You go through the whole colour chart. You go through every sort of length and style. I've had some crackers. I think, and I'm so grateful that in the 90s, when I was experimenting a lot with different hairstyles, there was no camera phones because yeah. I, you know, I'm glad that I don't have to see those, those hairstyles anymore. <laughs> I've got two awful ones because both times I got married, I had a perm. <laughs> <laughs> so they're immortalised in both of my wedding photos, you know. And you think, <laughs> I, would, you think I would have learned from the first time. <laughs> I love a perm. <laughs> Oh, I, look, I, look, I look great. So where did, you, where did you go from the salon, you know, that you started at? Um, so, I, I mean, I worked there, I, I was there for about four years and then, um, and then I left. I mean, I, I was in salons for 18 years and I worked in 18 salons because I could never, I could never stay in one place which actually um, worked out one salon a year. <laughs> and it didn't actually work like that. I just... I was never very good at being in one place and I used to get bored. I still do. I get bored really quickly and um, I would get offered another job always and I would take it. And, and, you know, I had a loyal client base that would follow me uh, from salon to salon. And um, I think when I was, uh, how old? I think I was about 26 or 27, I got a job at uh, Nikki Clark. And I think up to that point, 
I never really understood hairdressing. And then when I went to work at Nikki Clark, I was there for four years, which for me was a record, um, you know, because I was like a gypsy. I was like constantly moving. And, you know, I didn't really understand hairdressing until I went there because, you know, the, when I went to Nikki Clark, they strip it back, make it simple. And I really understood the, the craft of hairdressing, you know, and they, Nikki and his team, like, taught me how to blow dry properly and, you know, and at Nikki Clark, it's all very classic. It was all very classic hair yeah. which isn't really what I'm about now. But looking back, it was it was such a good foundation that, you know, 14 years later, I, you know, I still use a lot of the foundations I learned there um, in, in hairdressing. So then I stayed there. And then, of course, I moved from salon. And then I think I started working for myself in 2013. Um yeah, so then I started working for myself. Yeah, in what, in what form? You was a session stylist or...? So what, what happened was um, I was managing a salon um, for a celebrity hairdresser that will remain unnamed, <laughs> and I was miserable. Right. And um, he, I ended up leaving there and started working in a different salon. Um, no, sorry. I was working in, uh, ignore that. I was working in a, in this salon that I was miserable in. And I always had this little dream in my head that Nicole Kidman would walk in and, you know, I'd end up being Nicole Kidman's hairstylist. But of course, you know, why is Nicole Kidman ever going to be in Birmingham? (laughs) But this lady came in for a blow dry and, um, I blow dried her hair and she loved it and said, um, I actually work for Harvey Nichols and I'm here organizing a fashion show. How do you fancy doing the hair? And I was like, okay. So I'd never done anything like it before. So I went and did it. I had 24 models. There was me and one other person that did the hair and she loved it and said, how do you fancy coming to Knightsbridge to do the show in Knightsbridge? And I'd never been to Knightsbridge. So I was like, Okay, so off I go to Knightsbridge, and I did, again, 24 models, and this time it was only me. Wow. And when I look back, it's terrifying, because if any of those hairdos would have undone, because I didn't know what I was doing, really. You know, I didn't have the skill set I've got now, um, but I did it. And then um, and it rolled from there, and then I left the, the salon I was miserable at, went to work at another salon, and um, he told someone I was a second-rate session stylist and I would never amount to anything oh yeah and it's funny because every time I accomplish something in my career or you know I do something or I travel somewhere that it's always that voice you know second rate session stylist that never amount to anything and you know um he I got offered a to go and do a show and he said no that I couldn't do it so I was like okay so I went and found a chair I could rent in the city moved all my clients and just walked out. (laughs) I was like, you know, you won't tell me what to do. So I kind of walked out, rented a chair, and then my career kind of progressed from there, really. I, um, because I was then my own boss, finally. I could choose when I worked, and then I moved to London. And, you know, here I am today, seven years later, and, you know, full of gratitude and blessings that, you know, I am where I am today because yeah. I'm a second rate session stylist that would never amount to anything. <laughs> it, it's really funny, isn't it? Cause it's such a two edged sword when you get these things, cause they can be, you know, at the time they're very like 
soul-destroying. They're like, they cut deeply those comments. But they can be a blessing because they can be the thing that stay. And it's funny how that, that stays in your mind. Now, you had, you had hundreds of people who said to you, do you know what? You're great. You're, you're fantastic. You're doing They don't stay in there. It's that little one that eats you. Yeah. Then it, you turn it, use it, use it as fuel for your fire, don't you? And it was funny because I think when, when, I, when I found out he'd said that, it never upset me. I, it was definitely fire beneath my wings because yeah. in that salon, um, he used to play fashion TV. And on the TV came a show, and it was a Chanel show in Edinburgh. And I remember looking at the hair, and Sam McKnight had done the hair. And he, it was spectacular, the hair. He made them all look like Queen Elizabeth. Oh, great, Sam. <laughs> exactly, Sam McKnight, lots of love for Sam. And, um, you know, in that salon, I saw that show. And, you know, I then went on to be on Sam's team for five years, and it was, you know, five yeah. years of you know, a blessed, you know, I was so fortunate to, you know, and it's the best working time of my career Yeah, being on Sam's team. So, you know, and again, you know, that was in the salon where he said, you know, I'm a second rate session stylist and I would never amount to anything. But I recently added him on, he added me on Facebook recently and I accepted and my friends who knows the story said, I can't believe you accepted him. And I was like, why not? Like, you know, every time, you know, I post a picture of a cover I've done or, you know, something amazing I've done, like let him see what a second-rate session stylist that won't amount to anything can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is I've learned, one of the big things I've learned is resentment. Um, it, it's like a, it, it's a poison chalice, you mm-hmm. know, that you, you, you hurt yourself more than anything else. And if you yeah. can, like it, a big part of, um, you know, moving on with things is you, you know forgive but don't you don't have to forget exactly. you know like exactly. I've, I've always had this thing someone said it to me and it's uh you know um love all trust few harm none well that's lovely isn't it it's great because it's it's not that all-encompassing you know i'm a doormat and i'm ready to be walked on on the other hand it's like be forgiving be loving and don't go out your way to hurt people. And the thing is then you, you're, you're, you're going to find that you don't get these consequences. And resentment is just a, a, a big one. And that is, you need to be bigger than that. Yeah, and I think forgiveness as well. Like, because life isn't this, you know, you don't go from there to there. It's this, you know, and especially when you live a life of a freelancer like I do, and especially the year that we've had, as a freelancer, you know, you haven't got a wage coming in, you know, and I don't think any freelancer would sit in front of you, Stuart, and say, yes, my life has been like this, you know, because it doesn't work like that. You know, you have to hustle, you have to work and, you know, and you have to stay positive. And I think, you know, I use gratitude a lot and forgiveness, like you said, is like a beautiful thing because, you know, I don't care that he said that, you know, I'm actually grateful he said it, if anything, you know, like I'm yeah. glad that he, he Excuse said me, I've that. got man flu. Sorry about this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't normally sound as sexy as this. I've got man flu. <laughs> <laughs> you see the hanky come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gratitude. And, and, and it's, it's a wonderful thing. And, it, you know, it, it, it gets you through, I think. Without a doubt. I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for gratitude and being grateful and, and you know, 
believing in your dreams. I think, you know, there's, I have so much respect for anyone that, you know, chases their dreams because it's not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, and especially when I think about, you know, the, the year we've had with the pandemic and all those people that work in the West End that, you know, their, their lives are built on dreams of getting on that stage and performing and none of them have been able to work. And, you know, all the, the dancers and the performers and yeah. the, the freelancers like me, you know, yeah. that I think we said in our chat when you came on uh, my Instagram series uh, for PJP, you said we're hands-on people and we are. And the, the fact that, all these hairdressers around the world haven't been able to do the thing that makes them happy. You know, it, yeah. it made me very sad. It has. Um, my my, uh, my son's a hairdresser. Mm. I've got five children. I've got four girls and one boy. The only hairdresser is the boy. <laughs> my son's <laughs> off. Um, but um, the other, they've all had this thing about being in performing arts, you know, like uh, my, my daughter Esme, she's come out of uni. She's behind the camera. Um, but my, my youngest, um, Eden, she was 21 recently, and uh, she just done the three years at, at Performing Arts College. Mm. She just wants to be – she done Oliver when she was young, and it, she, she got the bug. Yeah. So she just wants to be, you know, treading the boards, doing the musical theatre. And then she finished, and then COVID started. Uh. So, you know, it, it's so – there's so much more to it than people always realise the devastating effect of this lockdown. Yeah, but as well, I think it's like how you, like I think personally it's how you've used the time, you know, like yeah. I, I remember the first lockdown, I didn't know what I was going to do because, you know, I'd been travelling the world and I was, um, I, I was so exhausted from travel because I've been travelling so much and then the lockdown happened and then I was like, what am I going to do? You know, like, and... Um, a friend of mine was like, why don't you start TikTok? And I was like, no, TikTok's are for kids. I'm not doing that. And um, she persisted in bugging me to do it. So I ended up doing it. And one of my videos got 3.6 million views. I was like, 3.6 million people wanted to watch me do a messy bun, but they did. Um, <laughs> so then, you know, I, I used that time. I kind of worked on my social media and yeah making TikToks and, and, you know, I used to do videos on home hair masks and, you know, like how to make hair masks from ingredients in your kitchen and that kind of thing. So it was like, I think it was how you used the time. And, you know, I've spoke to so many people during my Instagram series, you know, like one guy has turned his shop into a coffee, you know, he's opened a coffee hatch so he can still sell coffee. You know, Joe Jones, another lady, an amazing lady who works in PR, she uh, did, um, she owns beauty banks, which gives. I know Joe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Joe. Um, yeah. you know, like she did helping hands, which was giving yeah. toiletries to frontline workers, yeah. you know, like all these people did amazing things with that time. And I think, yeah one of the great things is, you know, it gave us time. It gave us time to reflect and, you know, so it's okay. It's not been great, but in a year's time when we've all moved on, you know, we're going to look back and think. I think, I think that's crucial. And it's, it's the fact of, um, you know, uh, making sure that you make, make time or, or get going action it's all about action isn't it? you know like we all get a day you know I've had, I've had the days you wake up and the grey clouds over you and you're like oh and then you're, you're wallowing in your self pity and in your pit and then 
you know, like something snaps you out of it. And then the minute you actually do something, it's what I say to my kids, they've all been through it. And um, it's like, you know, dust yourself off and get and do something. You know, like my, my daughter, for instance, like, you know, she's still been putting loads and loads of, you know, like um, applying for auditions and, and getting on books and things. But you have to keep going, you know, because you're going to get loads of comeback and, um, you know, it, it I, I, I love doing my, this. This has saved me doing doing this podcast because it's given me something to focus on. I think, like, for me, um, after Christmas, um, it was, you know, chop the vat and all these salons were closing down. And, and I just kept thinking about hairdressers and the fact that, you know, hairdressers are the happiest people yeah. because we love what we do. Yeah. And, you know, there's not many industries that have as many happy people as us. No. And... It was, made, it was breaking my heart, really, to think about all these people that were at home, sad, not being able to do the thing that they love. And then this idea came into my head because I kept thinking about what can I do? What can I do to kind of, you know, and I've got quite a big Instagram following. So I was like, OK, how can I use that? And then this idea popped into my head and it was about, you know, can I interview inspirational people that's going to inspire people out there to keep going, to keep the salons open and and once this idea was in my head, it wouldn't go. It just kept pecking away and pecking away and, until I did it. And then I did the first one and, and then it's kind of grown from there. And it, I don't care about views or follows or, you know, how many people say that it's, it's about me connecting with, even if I connected with one person yeah. and that one person watched that video and decided to keep their salon and not give up on their dreams. I'm like, okay, that's it. It, the whole thing was worth it, you know, all of the episodes I've done and everyone that I've spoken to, you know, if that one person has kept this, and I've actually had messages from people saying exactly that. So I'm like, okay, it's all been worth it. All the work I've done, all the ed- hours of editing that I've done is worth it for that one person, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, this is where we differ because I said to you, don't, don't stop because I'm not good at editing. So you can't... <laughs> Listen, I haven't sworn this whole time for that, so don't worry. <laughs> we can swear, it's fine. Yeah. Swear. I know, I listened to your Lena Headley um, episode, oh, you swore a lot. <laughs> she's a potty mouth, she is, old Lena. Oh, I know, but I get my family telling me off when I, when I swear, so I just, I'd rather not have the hassle from them. <laughs> I, I, I do I do swear far too much, and uh, yeah, every now and then I'll rein myself in. But yeah. it's the upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, so I mean I totally agree with you that that you know your PJP the whole principle of it was it was getting to the point where everything was feeling negative you know and it's crucial for you, someone like you to come up and go you know hang on a minute we've got a lot of positives here yeah there is a, but that's it I think um, going back to something you said to me you said you know in all the amazing work you do yourself you know there's always hope and and it's so true you know there's always a way out there's always a solution and I think when you have a negative mindset it's so much harder to to navigate your way through and don't get me wrong there's some days I especially this last lockdown I think so many people have struggled with it because you know we had a taste of freedom and life getting back to normal and then it was kind of snatched away from us and you know but when you keep a positive mindset and you do gratitude and you do all these different things to exercise and getting yourself out of bed, you know, that is, if you can just get yourself out of bed and go for a walk, I mean, that, 
that is going to clear your head and do wonders for you, you know? Um, but yeah, so I always think that there is always a way through and positivity is key. It, it is. It's, um, the only thing is, I think is that be wary of, uh, <laughs> be wary of false positivity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust these. I don't trust. I nearly swore then because you've got in my head now. I don't trust these people who, who are, you know, hundred percent. I'm always positive because I think we are natural uh, pressure cookers that need to let off steam, and sometimes, um, and it's allowing yourself to have those those times, but don't dwell in them. Don't last, don't let it last. You know, there's nothing wrong with not being okay. It is fine to not yeah. be okay. It is yes. fine to have a day where you want to feel like crap and, you know, stay in your pajamas on the sofa, watching friends and that's fine. But as long as that isn't prolonging and you're not digging yourself in deeper and, you know, you do, you, you know, you, there, cause there is always light at the end of the tunnel, you know, like we're coming to the end now there's, we've got, you know, just over three weeks until, you know, hairdressers are all released and we can get back to what we love. So, you know, there's always light at the end of the tunnel, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think with my, with the PJP that I've done, that was the whole message was to, 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 you know, you know, what has Josh Wood been doing in lockdown? You know, what is, um, what is, you know, all these other people, Neil Moody and, you know, what that, cause they're exactly the same as us. They've struggled. It doesn't matter how, you know, how famous you are, how much success you've had, you know, everyone has had a similar journey through this. You yeah, know? definitely. I, I think, um, the, it, it's, it, what, what a difference it made when they announced the 12th of April. I mean, it was like a, it was like a, you know, like the world being lifted off your shoulders by them announcing that because then people can get back to work and, you know, and hairdressers have had it harder because they won't chop the back like they have with all the other businesses. So these people, you know, that own salons are having to find money to pay their, their rent and to pay, you know, everything else. And so it's, you know, so for them, knowing they can get back to work and get making money again, it's a blessing. Yeah. And it's even more than that, it's getting back to, as you said, the thing that makes us happy, you know. Exactly. And, I mean, for me, nothing makes me happier than work because I love what I do. It's never a chore for me to go to work. I never get to the end of the week and think, you know, like when you speak to some people and they're like, oh, I'm so glad it's Friday. I never get that Friday feeling and I never want it either. You know, like if, if I didn't love what I did, I would go and find something else that I love and do that instead. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's true. Well, yeah, you proved that, didn't you? Because you moved 18 times. <laughs> <laughs> you're not messing about there right <laughs> no I, I, uh, there were so many times like, I, I remember leaving one salon and I got escorted off the premises <laughs> <laughs> which was quite funny uh, yeah so I mean me moving salons that much I just and it goes to show that I was always meant to kind of do what I do now because you know with, with free being a freelance hairstylist you're never in the same place you're always moving around you know I travel a lot and when I was in school the only thing I ever really wanted to do was travel um and it was funny because my sister um she read my old school report the other day and in the school report I'd written I either want to be a air steward or a TV presenter like Noel Edmonds. (laughs) 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 
I mean, I could have picked someone a bit better looking, like Philip Schofield or something. <laughs> no, I picked Noel Edmonds. I wanted to be like my dream job was to be Noel Edmonds. Beard. <laughs> Well, I've got the beard. I mean, still, I've, it's not grey yet, so that's, a, no. that's good. Mine is, look, mine is. I look like an old, old miner or something. You need to get some just for men for that, Stu. Yeah, I know, I'll have to try it out. It, it, you know, like, um, it, it's interesting when you say about it, because the very fact that um, what we do makes us who we are, and... It's, it's taken something like this for us to appreciate it, you know, in some yeah. way. I mean, it, it makes you appreciate what you do. It makes you not take anything for granted. You know, like when you're in, especially when you're in salons and you've got a 12 client day, yeah. and, you know, but I think everyone's going to go to back to work with a new vigor and a new like yeah. zest for life. You know, everyone's going to want to get creating and doing crazy things and you know seeing the people that because you build such relationships with your clients you know yeah. it's uh, as well because it's been a real shift the last over the last few years of um like i remember when it just you just worked in a salon you know there was no freelance at all uh when i i worked for in a salon for five years and then i become i, I went freelance uh, and it wasn't really done much then but it was a long time ago um but it's really gone. The, the the sort of the industry is sort of fractured out now, isn't it? There's there's almost this this sort of half and half now of people there's chairing in and you know. Um, but there was also what you said about support. A lot of people fell through the cracks um, when they you know the people that were self-employed and not getting the help from the, from the government, um, which has been really difficult for them. I know a group of my volunteers in Bedfordshire. I've had a real problem with their local council and they keep going the local telly, having a go at them. Really, don't piss off hairdressers, whatever you do, you know, <laughs> like me. But, um, and that's been a struggle, isn't it? You know, uh, that it's it, some of the, and some people with like their home salons and things, they don't pay rates, so they've not had the, they've not been able to, to claim anything. But I think it's like what I said earlier, you know, it doesn't matter you know how successful you are how much money you've got in the bank or you know whatever this lockdown has been hard for everyone and it it, you know it's filtered right through to you know the assistants in the salon people that have been made redundant salons that have had to close you know like this is you know everywhere and but I do think there's going to be a boom I think you know when Mm. we get back to work in April there's going to be a boom there's going to you know there's work is going to boom there's going to be you know in all areas of hairdressing there's going to be a boom yeah and that's the positive and if anyone can get through and and, um you know flourish in the face of adversity it's hairdressers of course it's a resilient lot when we had black friday all those years ago the one business business that flourished was hairdressing because everyone was going to get their hair done to make themselves feel better and i think it was in 2018 the year that your salon closed i was working at nikki clark and i remember us being so busy yeah. and then suddenly it went kind of down and we weren't so busy but you know we were still we all kept our jobs and the salon yeah. open yeah and it i mean it as well like what you said earlier about you always had your clients and they were so loyal and they would, they would follow you from one to one. You know, that's, that's quite a unique thing that we have, the relationship we have with our, our clients in our industry. 
as opposed to sort of like the butchers, you know. You don't feel guilty if you go and buy sausages somewhere else, do you? <laughs> you go, even if you have a fringe in somewhere else, you get people. <laughs> but I think, you know, what we do is way more than a haircut or a blow dry or, you know, because obviously my, my life is very different from 10 years ago when I was um, in salons. Yeah. You know, but whether that person in my chair is an A-list celebrity or some, you know, a little old lady down the road, they're still people. Every person is, there's no difference between, that's the way I look at it. Like when people say, oh, do you get nervous? And when you do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, they're just people, you know, like I think in my whole career, I've met two people. And both times I didn't actually do their hair, but I was kind of starstruck. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, And that was Kylie Minogue and Joanna Lumley. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't do either of their hair, but I was literally lost for words when I met both of them. Um, But apart from that, like, but they weren't sat in my chair. And I feel like if they were sat in my chair, I probably wouldn't have been as nervous. That's interesting, isn't it? Because it's that thing that, from that slight distance, you you feel a bit in awe. The minute they step into your area, <laughs> you'd have had the confidence of it. Yeah, because I think, you know, you do build a relationship, and especially when you are doing um, celebrities, because you, you do have to get – it's about trust because you're in that person's space. And, you know, to, to famous people, the most important thing is privacy. And, you, you, you know, you, you – you know, it, it's a place of honour, really, that you're in that, you know, their sacred space. And you, you, do, you do keep everything that happens to you out of respect for that person. Well, I do, um, you know, out of respect for that person. Um, you know, it's a unique thing to do. But it's no different, I think, to, you, you know, when you're in a salon and, you know, you do build these relationships with people. And, you know, I know I did. Yeah. I got invited to clients' weddings and, um, you know, so it was, it, I think that's the one thing I love most about hairdressing is people. You know, if you took people out the equation and I was just doing hair on doll's head all day, I'd hate that. (laughs) I I think that's cool. You've really, I mean, you've really come up with a point there, haven't you? That is, that is the, the real essence of it all is the fact it's people. And if you don't love people, don't get in this industry. Exactly. Exactly. I'm grateful, um, like, 40-something years now. I still love what I do. How lucky is that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and it's like having gratitude. And, uh, I mean, I often think back to when I was 16 and my dad was trying to get me to work in a factory that now is being shut down, bulldozed, and there's houses on top of it, you know. And yeah. I often, every time he tries and gives me advice, I'll say, Dad, do you remember yeah. when you told me not to be a hairdresser? <laughs> And it shuts him up every time. <laughs> yeah. And I said my, my dad's reaction to it, um, but then later on in life, like when he retired and he used to come down his shop, he was so he was so proud, you know, he was so proud and he used to ask my son's shop and all, you know, and that difference in it. Yeah. That, you know, it was, it, it's, it's, it was, yeah, it's, it was really good. I think... Um, I think the thing is, I mean, I must love hairdressing. You know, I encourage my son to go into hairdressing. Um, but I, I think it's 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 such a thing that is so rewarding. Um, and it's that connection. And it, I think that's why I fell back in love a bit when I, when I started doing haircuts for homeless, when I'd done that real pure thing of 
it took me back to what I went in as a 16-year-old kid. Yeah. But just the pure thing of, mate, you know, doing someone's hair, like that bit of touch, that communication, and then, like, the magic mirror and saying, like, you know, the the beaming smile, you know. uh, And that doesn't happen every time. (laughs) You always get the one that doesn't like it, but as long as the majority... Yeah kind of like what you do but you I mean it's the same way I fell in love with it you know watching ladies leave the salon that had their hair done and them looking glamorous and happy and you know and and I still love making women look glamorous and I still love you know the happiness that it brings you know (laughs) well I mean it's funny though we said that how how interesting that you know you said it don't always work right (laughs) yeah who's the one we go to bed with at night (laughs) isn't it you know we're funny creatures human beings because it'll be that one who just was a bit off you know and it niggles isn't it and you've got all these other ones that have been really great all day well i mean it's that thing isn't it that you you do remember the one that but you learn your greatest lessons from the ones that aren't happy because you never make well i mean i don't i never make the same mistakes twice and you know even at this stage in in my career you know i still don't make every you know you still don't get it right every time you know we're human we make mistakes um and i think one of the greatest lessons i ever learned when i started being a session hairstylist was that one of the people i first started assisting um years ago said to me never be afraid to start again Yes. And and that was such great advice, and I've never never forgot it because you know when you are doing a hair up and it's not going right, take it down and start again. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it doesn't matter. And I remember being in salons, and I you know I, I used to I never used to put hair up. I never used to like doing it. And the stress and the pressure in a salon when you've got forty five minutes to put someone's hair up, yeah. and you know. But if I could go back in time and say to myself like. You know, it's not hard. Don't because once you stress, it makes the whole thing worse. So just you know, take it down, have a breather, and start again. You know, yeah. like, and then you're probably going to create something amazing. That's that's such good advice for for people, especially if they've got and if they've got if you've got a fear of anything in life, but you know, in in your career, if the thing that you hate doing, that's the thing you want to get on. Oh, totally. Sit and and defeat yeah. it because then you can become an all encompassing hairdresser. Then I couldn't braid. Like, I think 10 years ago, I couldn't braid. And I'd always be like, ah, I like, you know, I'd pass it on to someone else in the salon. Yeah. And then, you know, and it's the one thing, I'm actually really good at braiding. And, you know, I practiced and I practiced. And during the first lockdown, I'd get my doll's head out and I was, you know, doing cornrows every day just so, you know, I could be, get better at the things I'm not great at. Because I don't think any hairdresser could sit in front of you and say, I'm brilliant at everything, you know, because no one's brilliant at everything, you know, like, because oh. there's so many different areas of hairdressing, you know, whether you do, whether you specialize in textured hair, colored hair, um, you know, like all these different areas in hairdressing, you know, yeah. so it's like, there's always room to improve and there's always room to get new skills. And you, but you, you really want to make sure that anyone walks through that door, you can do their hair. You know? Exactly. And yeah. that's why, you know, I learn about textured hair, curly hair, yeah. um, you know, fine hair thick hair you know like braids and especially when you do what I do because you never really know who's going to be sat in your chair and back when I was doing fashion weeks it would be crazy you know like and Sam would just kind of be like Paul grab 
whoever and you'd have to grab who he'd say and do their hair and you never wanted to I, I never wanted to say Sam I can't do textured hair I would just crack on and do it to my best ability and when I first started doing shows um I made sure I assisted the people that were doing the hair types I didn't understand. So when I got in a position where I was going to be heading up models for, for Sam, I would be able to do it, you know, whatever it was. And there were so many types. I mean, Fashion Week is uh, it's a boiling pot of pressure. And no one feels the pressure more than the guy at the top, which is, you know, I was on his team for five years. It was Sam. And, you know, you wanted to make that journey for Sam as seamless as possible to ease the pressure from him so you know if he yelled at you know Paul can you grab that girl I wanted to grab that girl and do it and not say Sam I can't do that hair type you know so I made sure that I could do whoever was sat in my chair yeah what a fantastic proving ground you know Uh, I mean it was like I mean like I said the five years I had doing shows I mean I traveled the world and it was the Probably it was the best working career of my life. And because, you know, I worked in 18 salons in 18 years. But when I got on Sam's team, I stayed there for five years because I was just so happy. And I was blessed that I got to meet some amazing people and work with, you know, Sam's team is the nicest team you could ever get on. You know, they're lovely and they they encourage you and they, you know, they want you to grow as an artist as well. And, and I did, you know, I, in that team, I was able to flourish and grow and learn and, you know, and it was, you know, the best five years of my life, you know, in that team with, you know, and the people on the team, they, you know, you spent so much time with them, you know, I would be, there were seven of us and we would be together sometimes in studios for 18 hours just in together you know and and on top of that we would be traveling and on top of that we would all be knackered and on top of that we would have a call time at 4 a.m when we got to bed at two but you know we you become like family and you you look out for each other and if someone is tired and struggling then you jump in and you help them you know it was just you know uh, truly uh, you know that time that I had on doing fashion weeks and being with Sam it was you know the best time in my life he, he's helped some of it because so many of my guests have said ended up saying yeah because I worked with Sam for quite a few and that's where I learned you know he's so giving you know that he is and you know Sam wouldn't you know he's been in the industry for so long and there is a reason that brands will work time and time again with him yeah. because you know he's an amazing person so yeah you know I also, mean, had, also I was lucky enough to have uh, Gary Gill on the podcast yeah, and Gary, like you know, he he, he was explaining to me because I've never I've never done that side of things, so I, I've it was all a bit alien to me. And uh, Gary's Gary's an incredible person as well, and he but Gary likes he likes everything organised. Yeah, <laughs> he, he made sure that I was very organised. It wasn't like me and you, and I said, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll speak to you tomorrow." It was like, "All right, we're well, <laughs> doing this, doing this." And uh, but then sometimes you, you you know, like you do need someone like that as well. I think exactly. You know? Exactly. Uh, you can only go so far on the fly by the seat of your pants, which I've managed to do for 40 odd years. Exactly. Now, we've got to digress a little bit now. I've got, um, well, I showed you I showed you before. Look, I've got my T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we were chatting about It's a Sin. Yes. Love It's a Sin. Did you, you enjoyed it? 
Yeah, I thought it was great. I loved it. I thought it was very well made. Like I said, I feel like I wanted more episodes at the end of it, but that was yeah. probably because I did, just didn't want it to finish. But I, I really enjoyed it. It was great. Yeah. We, because I, I was, we was, I was chatting with, like, because I remember it so much at that time. Like it brought, I was watching it because I watched it with my my children, and they couldn't believe. I said, I remember that advert being on the telly, and I remember, but I remember people's attitudes towards it. I, re- I think it's great that the world moved on to a to a place where we can have shows like that on the TV. That you know, I remember. Uh, when EastEnders had its first gay kiss. Yeah. Um, do you remember it was Gary and Simon? And, um, my dad was horrified, you know, at the time. Yeah. That was on TV and, and all these different things. And, you know, but we, we have now gone, you know, forward in a time where, you know, the LGBTQ community can have shows, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race and Pose and, yeah. um, you know, and It's a Sin and all these amazing things, you know, we're able to have now. Yeah, because... What took me with, with that particularly was it made, as I said before, it made anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. They're they're going, they're they're they're, they're doing a good thing because it. Sorry. I also think that's true in life. You know, like when you you, you know you almost have to feel uncomfortable to, to to move. You know, like if you're too comfortable, you just go like this. But when you feel uncomfortable, especially like in you know, when you do something that makes you feel uncomfortable, like in a career sense, you know, like it kind of scares you a little, then it's a, a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, because uh, we was, I was watching it with the kids and I, I remembered the, I remembered the feelings and the, I remembered the, like, I, like the way the mum was, was reacting. And I remember people reacting like that. And I remember like, you know, I, I was totally honest. I remember acting a bit like that myself at the time and I look back and I think how did people honestly think like that how did you know we've come so far but I think it's ignorance I think a lot of it's ignorance and, yeah. and not educating yourself and I think that that's the great thing about these shows now is that they do educate people and people can watch and learn about transsexuals and they can learn about yeah. AIDS and HIV and all these different things yeah because back then you just believed what you know what was told to you by the government you know and that's what they said yeah so, you know i do think it's great that there's, there's the people have these platforms now and they use them in a great way yeah my, I, I, i'm constantly educated because the the age that my children are particularly my daughter i said look at your doll he's lovely <laughs> he's just he's just escaped in <laughs> oh, oh. meet jack <laughs> <laughs> my um my daughter uh one of my daughters is has just come back from uni um and she's she's now in you know working in tv and that and she's a she actually last week she was a guest uh, presenter with me because of her yes. on there, Jess Megan. And she teaches me so much because um, she'll point out when I'm still using my antiquated thoughts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll, you know, and it's that, the thing is, it's, it's, it's as long as we're always learning, you know, like every day's a learning day. And that's uh, everything in life, you know, that's like everything in life, you know, we're always learning. And I think as a hairdresser, there's, there's always something to learn and there's like videos now on YouTube and there's, you know, there's no excuse for, you know, like if, if, Oh, I can't do that braid. Well, you know what? There'll be a video on YouTube 
yeah. that you can watch and learn of some young girl in a bedroom doing it on herself, you know. So I think as as artists, we're always we're always learning, we're always growing, and that's the beauty of being a, a creative is that your mind is always expanding. Yeah. Well, I, I, to, to be honest, I I I can't thank you enough for having me on. PJP. <laughs> I can't thank you enough for coming on. Like, honestly, your your conversation was so um, so inspiring and your story is so great. So, you know, I'm grateful for you to say yes. Yeah. And I can't think of a better way to end it than you sitting like a Bond villain stroking your puppy. <laughs> <laughs> it really should be a white cat, but we'll, we'll, we'll let that one pass. <laughs> Paul, thanks very much for coming on and uh, I wish you well and I look forward to the the next couple of episodes before you go back out there. Stu, I just want to say thank you for having me on firstly, but secondly, I can't wait to come down and do some haircuts um, for homeless with you. you. Um, So I want to come down and, you know, spread a bit of joy and meet some people and see what you really do. So thank you for having me on. and love it. You know, and good luck with everything that you do. Yeah, yeah, roll on as well. Just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.